the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 30th and final morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with us. My, oh my, uh, what a weekend. What a, what a, what a day yesterday, particularly the Sunday portion of the weekend on the Sunday talk shows. What a day for a coup in the United States of America. I'm sorry I'm going to word it that way. This is what we heard. This is what we continue to see. Yesterday, a lot of it was crystallized. There is a coup. There is a coup d'etat underway right now, and there's an attempt to steal the American presidency from the people of the United States of America. That is exactly what this is. Make no mistake, this impeachment inquiry which, of course, is not an impeachment inquiry until Nancy Pelosi actually has the guts to call a vote uh, in the House and put everyone on the record as to whether or not this impeachment inquiry should take place. So right now, it's just like everything else. It's a shadow inquiry. It's a deep state inquiry. It is an attempt to finish and complete what was begun before Donald Trump was even inaugurated. Let's make no mistake as we watch and listen to Democrats, and I have a lot of audio for you that I'm going to share today, as we watch and we listen to the demon rats uh, arguing in favor of impeachment, condemning the President of the United States, let's remember, this is not them reacting to something they just learned. Rather, this is them putting the cart before the horse. This is, in other words... They decided on impeachment long ago. It was simply a matter of hunting something to impeach over. They tried for two years on Russia, failed miserably. They have tried everything they can think of to impeach the president. It is about 
nothing more than delegitimizing the 2016 election. That's the bottom line. That's what their intention here is, to prove that he was never president in the first place, that he was not a legitimate president, that he is a man, that President Donald Trump is a man who uh, essentially stole his spot as the 45th president. Because of something, we don't know what it is, but it had to be something because there's no way the American people actually voted for and chose this man over our candidate. So this has been a, a conviction in search of a crime for going on three years now. A couple of months away from three years. A conviction was made in the court of demon rat public opinion, and they were going to spend the next however long it took in search of a crime to fit that conviction. We convict him of stealing the election. Now we need to validate that conviction by finding a way to prove that he committed some kind of a crime. And that's all this is. Make no mistake, do not misunderstand. Nancy Pelosi is going to try to tell you as long as she can Now that she has started this unofficial impeachment inquiry, she's going to say, look, it's not our doing. This isn't something we chose to do. We had to follow the facts wherever they led. That's what she wants you to believe. It's wrong for a president to say uh, that um, he wants you, uh, another head of state, uh, to create uh, something negative about his possible political opponent to his own advantage at the expense of our national security. She claims that they're just following the facts wherever they lead. No, they have been trying to hunt down false facts literally since before his inauguration. And I know I've said this on a somewhat frequent basis, and I apologize if it does sound redundant, but it it literally, this attempt to impeach Donald Trump began before he even won the presidency. And I know that's hard to, to fathom, but it's true, and we have evidence of that by way of the deep state FBI led by James Comey and Andy McCabe with the assistance of Peter Strzok and the FBI lawyer Lisa Page and others to stop the president from ever completing a term if indeed in the unlikely event he was to begin a term. If he wins, don't worry, we have an insurance plan, an insurance policy in place. We will get him. We will not allow him to serve as president or at least to finish a term. So before he ever won the presidency, this process was set in motion. And then, of course, when he won the presidency, it was ramped up. And it was ramped up by the illegal actions of people at some of the highest levels of the government in the intelligence community, particularly in our CIA, particularly in our um, uh, FBI, and yes, in our Department of Justice as well. So that's why we are where we are. And the Democrats are are doing everything they can to try to drum up and generate support for impeachment by condemning. And see, this is another example. I'm going to play this for you. This is Senator Chris Murphy, another demon rat, who's trying to use the same playbook as they have used... um, against President Trump based on matters of race or perceived um, uh, neo-Nazism or perceived white supremacists and so on. In other words, demonize his supporters 
Make them afraid to support him. Say that if you support Donald Trump, who is a white supremacist, it makes you a white supremacist. And hopefully that will beat back any support and any loyalists that Donald Trump might have. This is another example of exactly that. Frankly, it frightens me that Republicans are standing up and defending the president. Because if he gets away with this, what's to stop him from essentially integrating the entirety of American foreign policy, the State Department itself, into his political re-election campaign? Right. The first part of that is the most important, where he said, it frightens me that Republicans would support this president in the same way that it frightens me that racists would support a racist president. In other words, you better stay quiet don't wear those MAGA hats. Don't uh, wear those Trump 2020 T-shirts. Don't put them on your cars because you are going to be demonized. You are supporting not only a white supremacist, not only a racist, you are also supporting a criminal, somebody who should be impeached for using the State Department and diplomatic relations with foreign heads of state to try to impact and affect our election. And that is just blatantly, or excuse me, blatantly and flagrantly, I, com- I combine the two. And gave you flatantly. That doesn't work. Uh, it is blatantly and fragrantly a fragrant, <laughs> fragrant. It's not fragrant either. It doesn't smell good. Flagrantly, I'll get those two words together at some point. Uh, a lie. It, it's a falsehood. It is absolutely every bit of that because what the president of the United States was doing on that phone call, which is very clear and evident by the transcript, was 100% legal. Not, first of all, not only is it not something that would constitute, constitute high crimes and misdemeanors and something that might be construed as being impeachable, not only is it not that, it's not something that would be worthy of a parking ticket on a, on a federal uh, uh, criminal scale. I mean, it is literally not illegal at all when the president said, look, we have a good relationship with your country. We will continue to have a good relationship with your country. We do like we do like the fact that you just won the presidency, he said to the Ukrainian president. Congratulations on that. And oh, by the way, we hope that the corruption that had existed in Ukrainian government is gone and is going to be wiped out. To that end, can you look into whether or not it was actually Ukraine that might have been behind or at least in some way complicit in Russian meddling in our elections. You know, that's the other part about this, too. The left is screaming. i got a ton of audio for you, but bear with me while I also monologue this. They're, they're screaming. Those on the American left, those demon rat supporters, are, are insisting that Donald Trump is admitting that there was Russian meddling. I thought he said there was no Russian meddling. Because now he is trying to tell Ukraine that there was meddling in our election, and we want to you, your government, to get to the bottom of it. We tried for two years with the Mueller investigation to get the bottom of it, get to the bottom of it, but we couldn't. See, Donald Trump is admitting there was meddling. See, he lied. No, Donald Trump never lied. He never suggested that there wasn't an attempt by the Russians or anyone else to hack into DNC servers and have certain information which was embarrassing to them. And by the way, not a bit of it mattered to the American people. I still have been searching and waiting and looking and scouring any interviews, any voter polls, anything else that shows that anybody in America, one single person, was going to vote for Hillary Clinton, then read what was in some of of, uh, Podesta's and the DNC's emails that were published by WikiLeaks by way of uh, perhaps the Russian hack into uh, the DNC servers and said, well, now I'm voting for Trump. I I saw something in Podesta's emails that made me not like Hillary. It didn't change a single vote. 
But Trump has never said that Russia didn't try or someone didn't try to meddle and, in fact, may have hacked uh, the DNC servers. We all know WikiLeaks uh, published some things. He never said that didn't happen. He said he and his campaign were never colluding or were, were complicit in this with whomever did it, which, of course, is what the Mueller investigative team was tasked with proving was the case. Clearly, they could not because there was no evidence. It didn't happen. They turned over every stone and found nothing. Two years and some 25 to $35 million later, they found nothing. Zero on collusion and zero on obstruction. And don't come back at me with, well, they also said they couldn't make a determination on obstruction. That means they found nothing, because if they had found something, there would be a determination on Russia, that, or on obstruction, rather, that he did uh, uh, obstruct in some way. But there was nothing. So all of that went down, and now President Trump, in talking to Ukraine, saying that we would like you to get to the bottom of it to see if there was any part that Ukraine, maybe under the old government in 2016, had to do with this. That's actually the president, again, asking for transparency. We tried it, and the Mueller team couldn't uh, uh, couldn't find anything uh, on us. But if there was anything that we, and there have been reports, if there was anything that Ukraine had to do with it, we would like you to get to the bottom of it. That was his first ask. In the transcript, that was the first thing that he asked for, to listen to the left tell it, to listen to uh, the media spin it, to listen to elected Democrats spin it. The president literally said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. That never happened. That never happened. And in fact, the name Biden was never even mentioned by the president until the Ukrainian president mentioned it first. Then the president brought up, yeah, I heard there was some pretty bad stuff going on there with his son and, and perhaps some, some, um, uh, what we, what we might call uh, corruption within the Ukrainian government and with this Burisma company, this natural gas company and, and, uh, Joe Biden's son. You can get to the bottom of that. That would be great too. It wasn't even his first ask, and second of all, from the standpoint of corruption in the government, a nation that we send hundreds of millions and eventually into the billions of dollars to in aid, particularly in military aid, something Barack Obama, by the way, did not do, which might lead to an explanation as to why the Ukrainians gave Hunter Biden a $50,000 a month job so they could perhaps get something from the Obama administration. But for Donald Trump to want to look into and find out that any money that we send to uh, Ukraine is going to be used on the up and up and is going to be used uh, you know, you know, with the uh, 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 absence of corruption, if you will, is perfectly within his purview and his rights as president to inquire about. Did he say dig up dirt on Joe Biden like Nancy Pelosi suggested? Like Chris Murphy suggested? Like all of them are suggesting? Absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, not. We're just scratching the surface. There's so much to talk about here. And yes, I do want you to join us. We're going to be guest-free today. We talked to Jim Jordan on Friday. So we gave the day off here on Monday. We'll take a couple of more days to see where things go. I do have some Jim Jordan audio, though, in his conversation on CNN with Jake Tapper yesterday that I'll share with you. But uh, beyond that, it's guest-free today. So 216-901-0945, the Bob France Authority, right back. 
on AM 1420. Nine twenty-four now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to play a clip here for you, and I do see you on hold, so bear with me. I'll be coming at you as quickly as I can, uh, but I do have a little bit of an order that I want to go in here, and I want to share this with you. I told you, Congressman Jim Jordan is normally my Monday guest. Um, he's not going to be with us today because I just had him on Friday and uh, a little too close together. Uh, but he was on Jake Tapper yesterday on CNN Sunday. And one of the things that Jim Jordan did talk about uh, yesterday was the fact that, according to the law, you have to have first-hand knowledge of a potential crime or a potential problem for which you want to be a whistleblower in order to have whistleblower status, in order to make an official complaint. This is something that Jim Jordan discussed yesterday with Jake Tapper, and it got a little bit interesting. So, so now they come with this, the, the, the latest yeah. attack on the president. So there's a lot you said there. There's a lot of people that would look at what's in the Mueller report and say it's, that's not nothing. But talk, let's, talk about, the let's, talk, let's talk about today. Let's talk about today. You just described this individual, this whistleblower, and I'm really actually surprised because I've covered whistleblowers when you were on the committee when, during the Obama years. And there was a lot more reverence for whistleblowers during that period from Republicans than I'm hearing today. You said that he was a bureaucrat who hated the president or disliked the president, biased against the president. There is no evidence of that. Uh, let me read from the inspector general's report. It says, although the ICIG, that's the Intelligence Committee Inspector General's preliminary review, identified some indicia or as indicia of an arguable political bias on the part of the complainant in favor of a rival political candidate, such evidence did not change my determination that the complaint related to the urgent concern appears credible. So first of all, that could mean that he interned for John McCain 20 years ago. We have no idea what it means. Second of all, he says in that same sentence that it did not change his determination that the complaint is credible. That's a Trump appointee saying that. Two things you look at. Our committee, I'm on the oversight committee. We probably deal with more whistleblowers than any committee in Congress. Two things you look at to determine the credibility of a, of a so-called whistleblower when they're coming forward. First, did they have first-hand knowledge? And second, what is their motivation? Was there some kind of bias? This individual has problems on both of those counts. He had no first-hand knowledge. He heard something from someone who may have heard something from someone. No, no, his, his sources were first-hand so, sources. So he, he has, but he has no first-hand knowledge. And second, he has a political bias. That should tell us something about this guy who came forward with this claim. And now the Democrats are saying, because of this whistleblower, we're going to impeach the president. I say look at the transcript, and the transcript gives you no reason to impeach this president. Well, Overturn an election where the people spoke, I think, loud and clear. You know, as well as I do, that you do not need to have first-hand knowledge to be a whistleblower. And even if... Well, you don't even, now because they changed the form. You used to. They changed the form. There's no evidence of that, and we looked into this. I know there is plenty of evidence of that, and that's the reason I wanted you to hear that, so that I could set up this part of the reporting by the Federalist and Sean Davis, uh, who, who posted this on Friday. Between May 2018 and August of 2019, the intelligence community secretly eliminated a requirement that whistleblowers provide direct first-hand knowledge of alleged wrongdoings. They, they changed this literally just within the last calendar year, and without 
this being uh, transparent or known to anyone, raising serious questions about the IC, the intelligence community's behavior, regarding the August submission of this whistleblower complaint against President Trump. The new complaint document uh, no longer requires potential whistleblowers to, who wish to have their concerns expedited to Congress to have direct first-hand knowledge of the alleged wrongdoing that they are reporting. First-hand, meaning you heard it first, not heard it second from somebody else who heard it. That's not how this works. This isn't REO Speedwagon. I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another that you've been messing around. We don't govern by REO Speedwagon. We govern by the law. And the law says you have to hear it firsthand in order to be a whistleblower, not hearsay. Well, the IC secretly created a brand new version of the, of the, of the law. Changing it, saying we don't have to have firsthand. You can go on rumor, hearsay. Somebody else said so. The brand new version of the whistleblower complaint form, which was not made public until the transcript of Trump's July 25th call with the Ukrainian President Zelensky and the complaint addressed to Congress, were made public, eliminating the first-hand knowledge requirement and allowing employees to file whistleblower complaints even if they have zero direct knowledge of underlying evidence and only heard about wrongdoing from others. So they are. Essentially, that is what they are doing now. They're doing heard it from a friend who, and that is now the basis of a whistleblower complaint upon which they are willing to impeach a duly elected sitting president? How can they get away with that? Well, I have an update on that part of the story to come as well. Stay, I, listen, if you're looking for facts, if you're looking for reason, if you're looking for common sense, you're in the right place. Stay right here, and if you're on hold, stay right there. I am coming to you next segment, I promise you, on AM 1420, The Answer. my own music I was going to do here, but now I'm sitting here jamming out the BGs, so i probably going to have to forego it. Good song. One of my favorites from the BGs from the era. 36 minutes after 9 o'clock means 24 minutes before 10 o'clock. We have you until 11 o'clock. Thank you for being with us on AM 1420. The answer, the music I had in mind, I think was a little more apropos, even though I really enjoy the uh, the BG song there. Uh, as I noted, kind of off the cuff, um, this apparently is how we impeach presidents at, uh, for, uh, at this point. This is how we decide on whether or not a president should be removed from office, violating the will of the voters. Heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another you've been messing around. Oh, well, in that case, uh, yeah, we should have an impeachment inquiry. You heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else, and they said the president's messing around here on a phone call. Yeah, we should definitely open an impeachment inquiry. Used to be, as I noted in the last segment, 
that you had to have first-hand knowledge of a potential problem for which you wish to file a complaint as a whistleblower. First-hand, you had to hear it so you know what you're talking about. You're not hearing rumor. You're not bringing hearsay uh, to the uh, uh, intelligence community uh, and the inspector general in order to try to uh, impeach president. You had to have first-hand knowledge. And I just shared with you that it was within the last year that the IC did this literally without anyone's knowledge. They secretly eliminated the requirement that whistleblowers provide direct first-hand knowledge of alleged wrongdoings. The update to that story is in the Federalist this morning. Talking about uh, the secret update to the Inspector General's Disclosure of Urgent Concern Complaint Intake Form, which is the whistleblower form, and revamped the procedure to allow hearsay complaints, while prior versions of the form had included an admonishment that the ICIG could not file a complaint credible um, uh, without reliable first-hand information. While it appears that the ICIG, that's the Intelligence Community Inspector General, for the abbreviations here, has the statutory right to promulgate new procedures, the rationale for the change, and the curious nature of the timing has still not been shared. Compelling new evidence now shows that the purportedly nonpartisan Congressional Research Service may have been weaponized. that sound familiar? In the same way that the FBI was weaponized when it was run by James Comey and Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. The same way that the DOJ was weaponized prior to the president taking office and appointing his first Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, and then, of course, moving on to Bill Barr. Weaponized. The nonpartisan Congressional Research Service, purportedly nonpartisan, that is, may have been weaponized to mislead members of Congress and the American people, all in the name of advancing the impeachment process against Donald Trump. It appears that misleading guidance about precisely how expansive the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act is was incorporated into the report as just a current whistleblower controversy began to pick up steam. Now, there are three or excuse me, these kinds of report revisions are highly unusual. Again, according to the Federalists, without the CRS, that's the Congressional Research Service, obscuring certain facts about the underlying statutes, it would have been clear early on that the allegations made in this whistleblower report would not have been considered an urgent concern under the statute. Perhaps more surprising, without the misinformation, it would have been clear that the president is not subject to the specific oversight requirements of the ICWPA at all. The CRS report facilitated a false impression that ultimately provided a false impetus for the current impeachment inquiry. This is enormous, and I hope you're following and processing this. On September 23rd, so one week ago, a short time before the whistleblower complaint was legally transmitted from the executive branch to the legislative branch and the public at large, CRS made an extensive update to their publication on intelligence community whistleblower protections. The previous version of this publication was released on December 13th, 2018. CRS reports typically serve as the definitive guide for members and their congressional staff while researching complex issues or for assistance construing existing uh, statutes and administrative procedures. It is atypical, in other words, uncommon, to make extensive updates to a CRS publication when there has been no applicable legislative action in the intervening time. And it is extremely peculiar 
to make extensive updates to a CRS document clarifying the precise controversial topics presented by the handling of a whistleblower complaint that was still classified and not legally available to congressional researchers at the time the report was updated. So what does all that mean? Well, there's a lot more to it, but basically uh, in the importance of all of this and why I'm spending valuable showtime telling you this is you need to understand how deeply rooted this deep state attempt to get Donald Trump impeached is. They dove in and used the intelligence community, again, that word weaponizing the intelligence community. They changed the rules in order to get Donald Trump on something for which he would not be even remotely um, admonished under the old rules. There would be no whistleblower report here. Certainly not one that would have risen to the level of urgent concern, so much so that it needed to be presented to the Congress. This is exactly the problem. The two things you need to focus on. One, how this came to be and what it says about the deep state attempt to remove Donald Trump from office, which started long before he made a phone call in July to the president of Ukraine. Long before... Truthfully, the name Bob Mueller was even public knowledge. That's how long this, this impeachment process is and how, how, how far ago and how deep it runs. That's the first part, and then the second part is the actual transcript. So it happened. Okay, so all of this chicanery, all of this deception, all of this delusion of the American people by changing whistleblower reporting uh, requirements, et cetera, et cetera, all of it happened. So now we have to deal with it. Let's deal with it. How do we deal with it? We deal with it by way of the transcript. What good is there in a whistleblower complaint, which is a description of a phone call through the eyes of the whistleblower in normal circumstances, through the eyes and through the lens of a partisan whistleblower who heard the phone call? Why would we even need that? When we have the transcript, which is first-hand knowledge, in fact, word-for-word transcription of the phone call. What would be the need for a whistleblower's description of what they heard? Now, process that while I ask question two. What need would there be for the version of a whistleblower who didn't even hear the phone call, but who got it from somebody else who heard the phone call? So Stooge A listening in on the president's phone call, which is fine, which is which is which is allowed by law. Stooge A, who is a partisan hack who's trying to st- destroy the president along with the rest of the resistance and the rest of the deep state. Stooge A hears the information but doesn't file the complaint himself or herself. Why? Why wouldn't that person go be the whistleblower? Aha. I just heard something that I believe to be illegal and very troubling and maybe even impeachable. I'm going to follow a whistleblower report. Why wouldn't that person do it? Could it be because that person is even more partisan and therefore whose view of what the president had to say would be, would be even that much more um, sketchy, if you will, to borrow a colloquial phrase? And so they had to find somebody else who maybe would look a little bit less partisan, a little bit less a part of the resistance or the deep state. So they passed it on to somebody else and said, hey, here's what I heard. Now here's what you need to do. So he passes it on to Stooge B. So Stooge A hands it to Stooge B, and Stooge B says, yeah, I'm filing a complaint. 
Why? What did you hear? Well, nothing, but somebody else told me this is what they heard. So why would we watch or, or why would we want, rather, to read and seriously consider the secondhand version of a phone call for which we have the actual transcript of that phone call? Why would anybody pay attention to that? I mean, it's almost like watching a play in the Browns game yesterday, having the video. Let let me ask you, did you watch the Browns game yesterday? Did you see that tremendous 88-yard touchdown run by Nick Chubb to kind of salt the game away after the Ravens started to mount a bit of a comeback and had just scored? Right? Nick Chubb goes 88 yards. We all watched it right in front of our very eyes. Well, let's suppose for a second that you didn't watch it in front of your very eyes. But you do know that that video exists because we have this thing called television and recording devices, right? But you heard from a friend that Nick Chubb ran 88 yards for a touchdown. Which do you believe would be more valuable to you as a fan? Listening to your friend describe the call about where he cut back and how many tackles he broke and what it looked like as he came down the sideline. Would you, or would you say, we well, shut up, I don't need you to describe to me what happened, I can watch the replay. Would you, would you accept just the friend's description of the touchdown run, or would you kind of want to watch it yourself? and get a better idea of what happened by watching it myself, right? This is the exact same thing. Do you want a second-hand person, a second-hand observer's account of what happened on the call, or do you want to read the whole damn transcript yourself? I think I would rather read the transcript word for word, and then I can evaluate what was said. But this is where we are because of Donald Trump being the President of the United States. The blind, partisan hatred for Donald Trump that lives within the hearts and minds and souls of every demon rat on the American left has driven them to this place. And the media... Is, is their chauffeur. They're the ones driving. Which is why I have a lot more media audio for you to listen to. But not until I take phone calls, as I promised I would. Navy man Norm has been waiting in Strongsville. Norm, you're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Bob, I'd like to know who the they are in the security agencies who changed that law. And the reason I say this is very simple. The head of the NSA, the head of the CIA, Gina, whatever her name is, uh, all all reports of the president of the United States. So why didn't the president of the United States call them in and say, who is responsible for this change? And if it was them, it was either of them, and they didn't re- come to him with this brainstorm, I'd fire him. So, you know, this is what's really puzzling to me. We hear about all these changes going on. It's the president's administration and the president's people. So if they're changing it, they're actually trying to subvert his authority. You know, it's very simple. Now, the other thing that's really puzzling to me is why Senator Lindsey Graham stands before the cameras last week and talks about there has to be an investigation of uh, these things. And I'm saying to myself, you are the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. You are the one that should be investigating this, not uh, some outside agency. I haven't seen doodly squat in the last three years from the Republicans in the Senate as far as investigating Democrat chicanery, Democrat deceit, or Democrat crimes. 
it, it's just unbelievable. So uh, you know, it's just blowing me away. You got a letter from May eight, May of two thousand eighteen, signed by Leaky Leahy, Little Dicky Durbin, <laughs> and uh, Mendez. are better than the president. Yeah, and Menendez, the child molester, uh, to the Ukrainian president, threatening him that if he didn't cooperate with them in the Mueller investigation, finding stuff on Trump, Donald Trump, they were going to use their influence against the Ukraine. Now, why isn't that an issue? Isn't that strange? That's a why very is, great question. It is. I mean, that in itself is, there's a quid, quid pro quo. You know, very simple. You know, it's unbelievable. But it's, I, I, I don't want to use up time, but one thing I wanted to mention to you, or two things. Number one, that rat Jake Tapper brought up the fact to Jim Jordan that, oh, by the way, when you were wrestling coach at Ohio State, you failed to report about this uh, doctor. I mean, what does that have to do with their conversation? It has everything to do with undermining Jim Jordan's credibility, that he knows that Jim Jordan is one of the strongest weapons that, 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 that we have in support of right. the president and in support of the rule of law, so we have to discredit him and try to raise up these ridiculous allegations, for which, of yeah. course, he has been completely cleared. That's, just, that's, typical. that's what I meant when I said that the media is driving uh, the, the left uh, to, these, uh, you know, to these conclusions. Now, you're going to enjoy this, and I'll try to make it quick, and I'll try to be uh, careful. Okay. Uh, I got into it with a reporter from one of the local TV stations, uh, both of which will go uh, unnamed, uh, about her particular reporting about this uh, chicanery about President Trump. And uh, we got into a discussion, and she went back and forth, and she was telling me how objective she is, and I was saying how one-sided they are. And I said, well, here's, a, here's an analogy for you. Somebody at your station calls somebody else and says, I got it on good authority that on the weekends that she goes down to fleet landing, does tricks for sailors. Now, no firsthand knowledge, and that information bubbled up to corporate headquarters. Now, would you say that that is uh, reliable evidence? She said, oh, that's, that's not a good comparison. It's not the same thing. I says, it isn't. I said, so somebody in your particular station can make a, a falsehood against you, and with no firsthand knowledge... Uh, you say that that's okay? She hung up on me. Anyway, but that's that's what we're up against, Bob. We got a long way to we got a long road to hoe. Well, immediate- I'm glad you did that, Norm, because you you did you 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 exposed her. This is exactly the point. You know, false false accusations can become true in the minds of uh, you know the 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 viewer or the listener or whomever if uh, if there is no re- uh, requirement of evidence, if there's no due process, and that's a big part of this. Uh, Norm, and and not just in a court of law, but in the court of public opinion, due process matters. Giving people the benefit of the doubt rather than proclaiming them guilty because somebody who heard something says so. And that's that's the problem here. All right, it's 9.52. We'll come right back after this on 1420 Minutes. Oh, beautiful song. Beautiful. Let that blare. Is that Derek? Now the Bob Brant's authority continues. Let's go to Mark, who's waiting patiently in Fairview Park. Hi, Mark. Go ahead, sir. Uh, good morning, Bob. Uh, good morning. Kudos to Norm. 
what I wanted to say is that this incident, I think, is really an eye-opener. You know, out of all the incidents we've been through already with the Russian collusion, uh, Kavanaugh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, this one, I think, really uh, clearly uh, explains or shows the, the true nature of these demon rats, you know. I've heard these transcripts numerous times now, and I'm trying to figure out what's, what's the problem. <laughs> you just don't understand it, but knowing the demon rats, you know, it's, it's a new desperate play, I think, by these people. Uh, and uh, I hope they just fall flat on their faces. But anyhow, the... Uh, we were watching uh, Hillary Clinton <laughs> the other day. Uh, th- this is a hideous, uh, repulsive, uh, totally dishonest person. I watch her when she gets mad. I- I've seen her get mad before, and they're, they're changing her face. Her eyeballs are popping out, and she's just plug ugly. ugly. Now, if I could uh, explicate on this just for a second, ugly is Al Green, okay? Plug ugly the 19th century term, which uh, refers to a tough, one hired to intimidate, or a thug. That's what Hillary Clinton is, and she should be in jail for treason. And uh, I still have to laugh. I don't disagree with you, but I don't think she matters anymore. She really doesn't. She's trying to remain relevant. The press is going to her and asking her opinion of all this, and she said, well, that's because he's he's not a legitimate president. And, you know, She's still claiming she won, but she's irrelevant. She has no bearing on the government whatsoever. She has no bearing on this deep state uh, coup against the president of the United States. I think you know, the more fo- attention we focus on her, I think the, the more damage it does for us because she is irrelevant. We need to keep our attention on the people that matter, the ones who are in the Congress right now. Uh, and, and most most specifically, uh, the ugly, and, and it's not about physical appearance. I'm talking about the uh, the attitude and the uh, nature by which she conducts her business that we need to focus on is Nancy Pelosi. When is Nancy Pelosi going to man up? And yes, I said man up. Call me guilty of being part of the patriarchy. I don't care. When is she going to man up and call for an actual vote in the House to begin official impeachment uh, uh uh, an official impeachment inquiry or investigation. We still don't have one. Anything else that's going on right now is a charade. Anything else that's going on right now is a scam. It's a sham. Call it whatever you want it. Lindsey Graham calls it a setup. I think that's it. That's good. We have your back on this. I'm openly telling everybody in the country I have the president's back because I think this is a setup. It is a setup. It is a sham. It is a scam until especially she calls for an officially impeachment inquiry, which can change the game. Put your members' names out there as being as voting for something upon which there is no evidence at all. We'll talk more in hour number two right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.